0: What is the best city you've ever been to, and why?
1: to be honest, cam, I'm a little disappointed with this question.
2: I thought it would be a better question. <laughs> 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 I quit <laughs> no i'll I'll just straight up tell you Pittsburgh's the best. Pittsburgh is the good best. food, good sports, good culture, great intersection between. Uh, faith communities and other areas of the city. So, love it.
0: What's the best thing to eat in Pittsburgh?
2: Um, Permani Brothers. They mm. put the coleslaw and the fries on the sandwich. Classic Pittsburgh sandwich.
0: Love it. Welcome to What the Church, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Orlando. I'm Cameron Hughes. I'm joined today by Alexa Rossi.
2: Hello,
1: everybody.
0: And Jonathan Wagner, our director of college ministry. Thanks for having me. This is our fifth episode of the Ordinary Podcast series. Today, we are talking about Shalom and what it means to be a resident of a city and how we love our city around us. So, it uh, goes really well with our core values as a church, but beyond that, it helps us to understand what our identity is here in Orlando, why we are a part of the city, and what we do. So we're excited to have Jonathan here with us today, as he takes a large part in um, developing our city by being involved in college ministry at the UCF Valencia downtown campus. Jonathan, on Sunday, David talked about, as how we think about living missionally, we also remember our value of living, loving the city as a church. Um He talked about the book of Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, 7, uh, which says, Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city, to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, the city being it, prospers, then you too will prosper. And um, what that tells us is that we're to seek the peace of our city. So uh, it's objectively different than the norm that we see in our day-to-day life. There's so much conflict and hatred and brokenness in the world around us. And As you look through your uh, social media feeds, you see the tension between uh, every sector of people living in our city. But in light of that, um, where does college ministry fit? Um, What does that look like with a student? How do you live peaceably with a student? But also, um, maybe how do you guide a student through that process?
2: Sure. Well, first of all, I would say that um, a lot of... The nature of college ministry is forming the identity and perspective or worldview of college students. Mm -hmm. And so if we can enter into relationship with students at a formative time of their lives, then they can grasp this kind of Mm -hmm. picture of being blessed to be a blessing in Mm -hmm. a way um, from... A younger age, and carry that with them into their vocation and so right now, for students, their vocation is studying, mm-hmm. so we try to uh, really connect their personal uh, private maybe spiritual life uh, with the corporate body of Christ, mm-hmm. and then empower that them to live that faith out in a public way mm-hmm. and so um, for the scientist, the student who's studying biology or medicine, they are in a very practical way being equipped to Mm -hmm. go into the world to bless students through that field. Mm -hmm. Same with uh, accounting or the arts. Mm -hmm. Um, We're trying to shape this view that their Christian faith can inform, inform, excuse me, every area of their life.
1: Mm -hmm. Hmm. That sounds like the College age is a really sweet spot for achieving that because, you know, college students are experiencing a level of independence that is, for most people, pretty brand new as they consider what they are called to and what their gifts are. And it can be a challenging time to navigate all those things. So I love that the CCO's vision is to capture people in those moments. And yeah, if you catch, if you catch them then,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then help them understand how to submit their vision for what they're called to, to the Lordship of Christ. Yeah. We can, we can change cities thinking like that.
2: For sure. And I would say that many students go into college, um, wanting to start new and they haven't fully processed their childhood and teen years in a way they're trying, it's kind of a a season of becoming. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they're displaced and maybe disoriented. And mm-hmm. so we get to kind of come in and try to give them a sense of place and give them a sense of belonging mm-hmm. and try to cultivate that for wherever they go. That might be in Orlando when they graduate, which would be awesome mm-hmm. because their flourishing leads to the flourishing of our city. But then beyond that, we're uh, equipping students to be sent out and hopefully they will be a blessing wherever they land.
0: It's such a formative time of life and even transformative time of life where a student gets to decide what's next. Mm -hmm. Uh, So to encounter Christ in that is just really um, a a crucial piece of our identity in Christ, especially as an adult, I think, for the first time, being able to really make it your own outside of the scope of everything that was normal to you until you turn 18 and leave for college. Mm -hmm. Um, So, Jonathan, can you give any specific example of... Uh, whether it's a student here in Orlando or a student from a previous city that you really saw engage in what was going on in the city around them or had an opportunity to do that?
2: Sure. Um, Thanks for asking. I would say the first student that comes to mind most immediately Mm -hmm. is a student named Maria Mm -hmm. who is here in Orlando. Um, She grew up in California in Compton and from a young age kind of saw I guess, some of the hurting in the world. She mm-hmm. saw homeless people and would ask her mom about why aren't there hotels for them mm-hmm. to stay in or uh, really just had a compassionate, empathetic heart from a young age. Mm-hmm. And so she's going to school to study public administration and, and hopes to lead a, a nonprofit someday. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of interesting. I, I My path intersected with Maria's very early on in the school year. Mm -hmm. And so I got to hear her enthusiasm about what she's studying and why she's at school. And so I kind of view it as my role and our role as the body of Christ to fan that into flame, Mm -hmm. right? Is to come alongside of Maria and say, God has given you these gifts. He's given you this perspective That I would say is very mature, maybe beyond her years, but she has this yearning in her heart. And so now her studies become, how do I equip myself or how does God equip me through these studies to to do what he's calling me to do with my life?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm, That's really cool i I keep thinking of the term you used um, to describe the season of life that college students are in and and that it's very much a season of becoming and I can't help but think of the distinction between being and becoming, and mm-hmm. I think it's really beautiful to think about how the the church uniquely speaks truth into who people are the the being aspect of who Jesus says we are and, Mm -hmm. um, how his life purchased a certain status of being for us that enables who we become. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I think it's really cool to think about how we as the church can come alongside college students and remind them of who they are in Christ in a way that speaks to their being that is true of them and won't change as they continue to become and, and be shaped.
2: Yeah, and I would say that the college campus and that season of life in particular uh, has a lot to say about where students can derive their value. Sure. And so I remember just a few weeks ago when Dr. Swanson was teaching on the remembrance of our baptism Mm -hmm. and the idea that that God loves you um, and loved you prior to you doing a thing for him each morning. And that was really meaningful to one of the students who I was sitting with mm. during that that service because he has felt this weight of pressure of succeeding and getting a high paying job upon graduation, all these things. And just for this student to hear God say to him very clearly, I love you. Mm. Mm. You are mine. Mm. And then the becoming to your point, Alexa, is from that starting place is so full of peace and so full of security that, uh, is pretty rare Mm -hmm. during the college years.
0: Mm -hmm. So uh, the book of Jeremiah talks a lot about the idea of living in exile. So we are strangers in a land that isn't ours. Um, in our day-to-day life and here In our day-to-day life here in Orlando, it may not feel like we're living in this exilic culture where we don't belong, but at the same time, as a Christian or a believer, um, we're called to live a different kind of life than the culture around us. Um, So I would have a feeling both for myself and for our listeners when we ask the question, How do we go about our life in a way, and specifically in college ministry, you get to do it a lot, but how do we live in this tension of being in exile, not being at home um, in a perfect world that God created us for, but um, how do we go about sharing our faith with the people who may be more resistant to what we believe, that culturally feel and act differently than we do, or um, even how do we start to build relationships in a way that allow us to get to a place where we can share the gospel?
2: You're talking both about how do we live the gospel and how do we share the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I think it's crucial to know that it is both Mm -hmm. um, living and embodying the life of Christ that he calls us to, as well as... um, as well as using our words to profess the name of Jesus and call people and invite people to respond. So when I heard that we would be receiving some teaching from Jeremiah 29, I I read through it. And what stood out to me in a kind of surprising way is that they were called to do some permanent things, to build houses, to live in them, to plant gardens, this reciprocal kind of taking wives and giving your daughters, like all of these things do not um, point to a a, a transience whatsoever. It seems like home. Right. Right. And so to answer your question directly, how do we share the gospel in kind of this exilic age? I would say we first embody it, that Mm. we do put down roots mm-hmm. and in doing so we know our neighbors In doing mm-hmm. so we know our colleagues, we know our city and not just on a surface level, we mm-hmm. know the problems and seek to bring solutions to their, their problems. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause the good of Babylon in a way is our good as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I would say we embody it and then as we embody it, we're rubbing shoulders with people who have different values and Mm -hmm. uh, exist in the world in a different way. And so we can uh, kind of show them the beautiful
0: way of Jesus Mm. uh, as our paths cross. Can you tell me more about what exile means for us as believers?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kim, you said strangers in a foreign land. I think those are biblical words and definitely accurate, but let's not forget that in the Bible, Mm -hmm. it was captivity. Right. So they were carried away into captivity by people who held different cultural values, worshiped different gods, and had a different way of living in the world. And so we have to be mindful that if we are in exile today, in a way, there is a captive kind of nature to our exile. And if we're not careful, what can first feel desperate and, um, maybe we're alone and far away and in pain and in some challenging circumstances of exile over time can feel comfortable. And that's what we see in scriptures, right? Is that over time people got used to the foreign gods and the comfortable way of living. And so when we translate that to today, we too after living in a place for a certain amount of time can unknowingly adopt some of the cultural idols and ways of doing things that um, aren't the way that God would have us live in the world for our greatest flourishing or the greatest flourishing of the city. Uh, I'll give you a for instance. um, We invited students over for dinner recently, a lot of students over. um, And many of them were very hesitant to say yes. It was a simple dinner invitation. Come over for dinner. We're gonna have dinner and games and just hang out. Um, No program wasn't a quote unquote ministry event or anything like that. It was come over for dinner and uh, there was so much hesitation, almost surprisingly so. And uh, you might not think that that relates to Babylon in any way or exile, but as I was thinking about it, it does. I think that many students don't have a category for a family inviting them as a young man or woman in college To sit at a table and share a meal, that is countercultural for many college students. And so that's just one example of how, um, in a way, we're living in exile, and we get to, as believers, as the body of Christ, embody a different way of living. And then that opens up opportunities for us, too, to speak of the goodness of our God. And hopefully, as we're speaking of that goodness, they're seeing that play out in a very real way in front of them.
1: As I hear you say that, it reminds well, you you and your wife, CJ, just moved down here to take this job from Indiana. And I love this idea of planting roots and and a sense of permanence to what we're called to. How would you say that translates to somebody who maybe doesn't know if they're called to be in one place for the rest of their life? How can you continue to live that way? even especially considering college students are in that space, um, how would you encourage somebody to live in a way of permanence, even if they're not going to be here Mm -hmm. long term?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question in light of the college age being a really transient Mm -hmm. population, right? And so I would say um, how they live now is shaping them for how they will live in the future, Right. And so if we just give them a pass, uh, college students or others who say, well, I'm just going to come here, get mine and leave. That's a pretty selfish view of the world. just say, uh, one of my, one of my colleagues would call it the passport to privilege, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to get my degree, which will get me a passport to some higher paying job and some, uh, better, more comfortable life. And so, um, we get to invite them into a life of following Jesus, which is really laying down our desires for the good of others. Mm. And what I've told college students for years is four years of your life when you're 20 is one-fifth of your life. Mm. Mm -hmm. I mean, the math changes as they get older, sure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But the point is a large percentage of their life at that stage is spent in the classroom and on the campus and with their friends. And so if we just kind of write it off as unimportant or selfish, then they're missing a real opportunity to serve and to learn and to grow within a greater context of the body of Christ Mm. and
0: in a way that will really help them thrive in whatever's next for them. So I want to shift gears a little bit towards uh, something in the future that you guys will be participating in as a college ministry, and that is CCO's Jubilee. Um, Jubilee, I'll let you give a little bit more uh, background on what they do, but um, there's a group of students going that are involved with our college ministry. And in a couple of weeks, we are trusting God that he's going to do things there and that we'll have some stories to tell. So we'll be back with you and a couple of students in a couple of weeks to hear those stories. But can you tell us about Jubilee, why Jubilee, where it is, what you're doing?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So later this week, we're taking a group of about a dozen students to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for the annual Jubilee Conference. It's been going on since the 80s, and it's all aimed at how do uh, Christian men and women live out their faith in every area of their life. And so a lot of what we're talking about today, kind of um, faithfulness in all things, is kind On full display there. And so their main stage speakers, they will hear from taking them through the gospel narrative Mm. and then the workshops they go to. This is the fascinating, maybe different kind of angle that we take uh, in the Jubilee conferences. The workshops are practitioners in Mm -hmm. fields. So, for instance, I was looking over the list of people who will be there uh, just earlier today, and there'll be an FBI agent there. There'll be scientists, Mm -hmm. uh, cybersecurity, artists, musicians. Um, You have all these just wide array Mm -hmm. of fields of study represented, and we encourage students to go to the workshops related to their area of interest. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... The group that we're taking, some are walking with Jesus, some are not. And that's exciting to me because they not only will get a a, a clear articulation of the gospel, mm-hmm. but they will, um, in a very real and practical sense, see how people in the world are living into this worldview, it, mm-hmm. that it actually is a livable mm-hmm. worldview, that we can walk with Jesus and walk with others um, and really bring flourishing to the world through our, through our jobs and through our relationships. Jonathan
1: Jubilee sounds so fun. I'm excited for y'all. Are there any students that have stories that make you extra excited to take along with you and, and who are they and why?
2: Absolutely. I shared with you guys about Maria. Mm-hmm. Maria's joining us at Jubilee. Um, I think particularly it will help maybe give a, more concrete vision to what she hopes for uh, her life, she obviously has some things that she cares about and uh, studies that she's pursuing, but maybe she can put a little bit more detail behind those ideas and and take some steps uh, of faithfulness in that direction. Uh, additionally, a guy named Michael is joining us, Michael is just on fire for the Lord. So he, he came to Christ in the fall and is really learning what it looks like to, to walk with him. And so as a computer science major, a lot of times uh, we can assume that that has nothing to do with our theology or our view of the Lord and walk with him. And so I'm eager to get him in the room with other people with similar interests and just see what God does with that.
0: Anything else we should know about Jubilee? How can we find out more? Where can we watch? Any info on that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So jubileeconference.com has a promo video and some of the speakers listed. Mm -hmm. But additionally, for students, uh, there's a Jubilee Conference app. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a student to download it. It is free, but it gives much more detail around the workshops. So if you're really interested in Jubilee and kind of intrigued by our Mm -hmm. conversation today, I would encourage you to go onto the App Store and just download that for free, the Jubilee Conference Mm -hmm. app,
0: and you can explore all things
2: Jubilee.
0: Jonathan, thanks again for coming in today. We look forward to hearing from you guys in a couple of weeks and hearing what God did at Jubilee.
2: God is good. He's going to do some awesome things. Thanks for having me.
0: We'd love to have you guys back to join us next week. We're going to sit down with Hannah Buckley and Wes Harper to talk about spiritual practice and how to build spirituality into your day-to-day life. So excited for that. Um, Make sure you subscribe to our podcast if you're enjoying what you hear Um, Check us out on our social media feeds for First Presbyterian Church of Orlando We like to post all kinds of little pieces and parts of our podcast there for you Now go out and love the city